Hey guys, welcome back to Sassy with Mickey and Tim. Woo! I'm so honored. I'm so excited to have you here. Really? We've been saying that you're going <laughs> to come to Seattle for like years now and it finally, finally happened. I'm sorry, Kevin. I am the new Scrubs and Soy Sauce second host. Yes. Now that he's busy with residency, we are finding replacements and this week we have a really amazing one. Oh my one. God. Thank you. <laughs> I am so honored. For those of you who may not be familiar with Tiffany's content already, she is an incredible content creator, a UCLA graduate. Hello. Um, she's one of the smartest, most brilliant, and beautiful people that Shut I know. Up. No. But you're also one of the OG lifestyle girlies. You make so much amazing content. I don't even know like how to summarize you. Like she is flipping houses, she's doing investments, she organizes pantries and makes her house look absolutely immaculate. If you have not seen her YouTube channel or listened to her podcast, you absolutely must because she's a gem. That's so nice of you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I always feel awkward when people are giving me like a summary and that was very sweet. So as you can see from the title of this podcast, yes. we're going to be talking a little bit about being a creator, getting our college education, because we both obviously went to college. Mm -hmm. In fact, we went to the same college. We went to UCLA. Except I am like older and like you Girl, we're literally like a couple years off. No, but you didn't go to you didn't go to UCLA until I graduated, right? Because I graduated in 2015. Not to age myself. But I started in 2015. So we were literally Oh, we had one year overlap? No. Oh, because no, you would have no, finished no. in June and I would have started in September. See, yeah, we yeah. didn't overlap at yeah, all. Yeah, we didn't. I'm a solid like four years old. Oh god. I don't even want to But talk about I started it. college early too. Yeah. So Oh shut up. You're making me feel worse. No. <laughs> Wait, I did like did not do the math on that one. I thought it was gonna make it better, but I think it went the other direction. <laughs> no, like you just made that worse for me. Thank you. <laughs> the first time I came across Tiff was like in your OG lifestyle girly days. Like I really? was a loyal subscriber. Of mine? Yeah. Really? Yes. How did I not know this? Well, I like specifically out of the lifestyle girls I feel like I resonated the most with like the Asian girlies yeah. and so I was subscribed to you and I like loved 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 your videos I mean I still love them today but oh, yeah, obviously they're very, very different style than they were back then and so I was subscribed to you for a long time and later on I think then I also became a creator mm -hmm. I feel like I was always following you on Instagram we should like go back and see should when we? I started following you can you can see? You see? I don't know. I didn't know. know you could see that. Because I felt like our friendship started because I started following you on TikTok. Right. And I had saw you had followed me. And I don't know how we started DMing one another. But I saw you went to UCLA and yeah. that you're a nurse. And I was like, this girl's smart. Went to UCLA. Is a great, like, influencer as well. And is Asian and just cute. And overall, just, like, good <laughs> vibes. I was like, oh, no, we could be friends. And then I think you were in LA. Yes. I think I slid into your DMs and was I like, hey, that. like, I'm going to be in LA, which... I literally never slide in anyone's DMs and I don't ever ask people to hang out because I feel like especially in LA, it's a lot of work to hang out with somebody. Even getting coffee with somebody is like a whole situation because you need to drive there. Yeah. It's like kind of a hassle. And so usually people, they don't say no, but they also don't say yes. yes. And then they, even if they say yes, they flake at the last minute. No, you know what it is? <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, totally down for brunch next week. And yeah. then no one actually makes the plans to put the brunch together. Yeah. It's like, I'll totally see you next week. Like I'm totally free. Yeah. And then you're like, so is it happening is it not happening what's going on yeah but that's like the case for I feel like a lot of people in LA not just influencers yeah so but we actually made something happen yeah like I was really hesitant initially but then I was like oh like 
I guess it couldn't hurt. Yeah. Um, and out of like all the influencer girlies, I was like, okay, like Tiff graduated from UCLA. I feel like we have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I slid in your DMs, you responded and we actually did make something happen. I think that first time we went and we got Boba Guys. Do you remember that? Yes. And we got pizza at Roberto's, right? Or am I crazy for thinking that? Yes, I think we did. I think we initially said boba. And then once we were like, okay, yeah, I think we get along. Then we were like, okay, yeah, let's sit down at the restaurant yes. and actually eat. The weird thing about our friendship is that like, I feel like I've known you my whole life, but we've really only been friends for a couple of years. Only two years. But it feels like when I talk to you, it's so easy for me. Yeah. And we just like laugh and there's like no drama and there's like not like no, it doesn't feel like there's competition. Cause I feel like a lot of the times when you meet another influencer, and you sit down and you talk to them, sometimes all they can really talk about is work and what they're bringing in or what sponsorships they're doing. Yeah. And like, it is fun sometimes, but some people can make it feel like it's a competition. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I don't want to feel like you're my coworker. I want to feel like you're my friend outside of work. Yeah. And the weird thing is that we talk about all of those things. Like we talk about money, we talk about brand deals, but it's never in a competitive manner. It's like, oh, like, where where are you getting yeah. like where am I getting like is it roughly the same Should and it's always asking for more and it's always like I'm so proud of you that's amazing yeah I'm literally like I don't feel like your success ever takes away I mean nobody's success takes away from your own success um but especially in this friendship like I never feel that I okay. found it you found it it's what March, day was it March 22nd of 2021 can we like recreate our like first date yes <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So we've really only been friends for two years. Yes. But we have the kind of effortless friendship where I can hit you up anytime and you can hit me up anytime. But there's also like no hard feelings where if you don't text me or if mm -hmm. I don't text you, like there's no bitter feelings. We're like low maintenance friends. Yes. I'm a low maintenance friend and I feel bad because sometimes I have friendships where they are a little bit more high maintenance, but I don't know how to interact with people that are high maintenance. Cause for me, my day to day, I'm really bad about, and it's something that I definitely need to work on, but I am really bad about texting people unless I physically see them. I'd rather like physically see you or have someone just like call me out of the blue yeah. rather than texting them back. Also my fiance is like behind the camera and I just see him looking at me being like, yep, <laughs> yeah, she's really bad at it. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Oh my God. Can I tell you, I'm actually really a bad friend of yours. Okay. I did not know how to pronounce your last name until you started Scrubs and Soy Sauce and you said it in the very first episode. That's totally fine. I thought it was Mickey Ray. That's okay. People think that all the time. Okay. I genuinely, I <laughs> felt like a terrible person when I found out your last name was Rye. I was so in shock because I had been, I had never said it to you. No, that's fine. But I, like I to don't other ever, people. I don't ever say my last <laughs> name, so it makes sense. I something. will say whenever people meet me in real life, it's always like, Miss Tiffany May. I'm like, no, sweetheart. What? No, it's Miss Tiffany Ma. <laughs> but I feel like people who like are like maybe like of Chinese descent would yeah. know better because like, oh, that's like a pretty common last, last name. name. Yeah. Yeah. I will say it's definitely people that are not Asian that say May all the time, but... 
It's fine. I get it. I love it. how they just like added their own flair <laughs> to it and added a whole letter. Well, that was me and Rye, Ray instead of Rye. Like, wow, no, I'm such that a dummy. All the time. <laughs> so the first time we met, we hung out and we got pizza. And then we've seen each other, I would say, pretty frequently since then. Like, I go to LA at least a couple times a year. Yes. And you are probably the only person, you and my manager are the only two people that I see every single time I go Really? To LA. Yeah. I feel so honored. <laughs> I will say I love when you're in town. I'm like, if Mickey's ever in town, I have to see her. We always have a good time. Most recently, we went to the Unforgettable Gala. We did. Which was so much fun because we were both like, should we go? Or oh should my we God. just have a night in? No. <laughs> For those I think who we got Shake Shack before we left too. And I was so stuffed and happy. Did. And I was like, I'd be down to just chill here. Yeah. For those who don't know what the Unforgettable Gala is, it's basically like Asian prom where yes. all of your favorite AAPI celebrities all get together um, and it's a celebration. So there's like a dinner, a banquet, there's a red carpet, mm-hmm. and then you end with this really fun after party. And so Tiff, Kevin, and I ended up going to the after party um, and it was so much fun. We got to meet a lot of cool people. I had Max imposter syndrome there. I was like, why do I belong here when there's like all of these like amazing actors and actresses that are like in everything everywhere all at once aquafina like all these people i'm like what am i doing here mm-hmm. like the summer i turned here? pretty lola was there crazy was rich Asians. Nice. yes yes no but you know what i it made me realize how much of a great social networker you are because you were so comfortable just like coming up to people being like hi i'm mickey like I'm- hi somehow when i'm and I don't know what this is. Like somehow when I'm in a room with other people, like other Asian people, because yeah. I feel like they look like me, maybe they think like me too. Like I feel more comfortable. Okay, good. Because I also feel like because it's my community, I know that we have more interests and mm-hmm. things in common and like, you know, cultural trauma that we yeah. can relate to <laughs> together. Because like in a situation where I'm with people who I don't resonate as deeply with, I do not know how to strike a conversation. Like I feel like you're so much better at that. Because you're like genuinely just curious. So I feel like you're pretty good at like asking questions and getting people to like talk about themselves. And I feel like I have a hard time doing that. Really? Yeah. I actually felt so awkward when I went up. So the only person I went up to during the Unforgettable Gala was there was a handful of people. But the one that stuck out to me was Michelle fam and I felt like I was so awkward around her and I, I was like was really I was like I feel like I'm being so awkward I'm a really shy person but I feel like most people think I'm more outgoing than I actually am but to be fair she was really like she was calm like she was really really calm yeah. and collected and so I feel like our energy was like up here no she it was, was like, like completely here. different <laughs> energy levels I was like hi Michelle I don't know if you remember me yeah she was very no. sweet <laughs> she was very sweet my heart <laughs> ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 
So let's talk a little bit about your college education. Can you tell us a little bit about your degree and how college was for you? Yeah. Okay. So um, my college education started at the same school Mickey went to. So I went to UCLA as well, except I, of course, like I said earlier, am four years, five years older than her. So I started in 2011 and I didn't think I was going to go to UCLA at all, actually. Really? Yeah. So what happened was... Um, I only applied to three schools. Okay. I applied to UC Berkeley, UC Davis, and UCLA. Okay. I actually got into all three of them. I of I was really studious as a high school student, um, valedictorian. But what happened was I thought I was going to go to Berkeley actually, but one of my guy friends who had went to UCLA, he's a year older. Okay. He had been in town for spring break when I got my offer letter from UCLA, Ooh. and he submitted my intent, my letter of intent on my behalf. He was just like, no, you're gonna go to UCLA. Wait, no way. And he was like, sign in right now to like the website. And he's like, you're doing it. Were you mad about it? No, I like, I just didn't have the balls because for me, I live in Sacramento. Yeah. Berkeley's only two hours away. It was close to home. I understood SF, I'd been a bunch of times. Right. And I was like, I think I wanna go to Berkeley. But UCLA, which to me was like way like cooler to me, but I totally. didn't have the balls to do it. Yeah. And he was the one that gave me the balls to do it. We ended up actually dating maybe like two weeks after he no. did that. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No, he ended up being a terrible boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> terrible boyfriend. But he did help you make that crucial decision. I would say I studied business economics at UCLA. Mm -hmm. um, I did a few internships while at UCLA. And okay. then my senior year of college, I actually got a full-time offer at a consulting firm mm -hmm. and ended up taking the offer and was planning on doing that, except I had been dabbling into YouTube at the time as well. And I really wanted to do YouTube, but unfortunately I'd only made $13,000 from YouTube like the previous few years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's no way of making real money doing this. But my grandpa and my grandma on my dad's side passed away on New Year's and Chinese New Year's my senior year. Oh and I gosh. kind of had a meltdown. Did that give you like new perspective? It life? did. It made me realize that, you know, like, of course, education is everything. And of course, having a full time job that is cushy and you can climb the corporate ladder and you'll have a successful career if you just work hard and mm -hmm. it's steady income. I couldn't keep doing it. I was like, I don't know if I want to live this lifestyle of working from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. during busy season for consulting. And I ended up emailing my my boss. It was like, can I extend my offer for a year? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah. And so my offer was for $60,000 a year. Okay. And then that first year on YouTube, I ended up tripling it so oh. I got really lucky oh yeah. my gosh I bet like in the back of your head you were probably going into it like oh if I even like match the 60k yes. I'll be so happy yeah right I was I was really lucky I went from like a hundred thousand subscribers which was a really good amount to like a million within that first year oh so I got really gosh. lucky what did your work schedule look like that year? Like how hard were you working? Were you doing all the editing yourself? Yes. Yeah. I was doing everything because I was making no money. I was living literally behind Skid Row. I don't know if you know this. No. Yeah. In downtown LA oh with gosh. my sister in like a 
900 square foot loft there was no room so we were sharing a loft on each side <gasps> and there was curtains <laughs> literally separating our rooms and it you was- were filming there that's yes! that was where you were filming yes that's yes! amazing it was so ugly i never showed like the kitchen or anything <laughs> i didn't vlog it was just my like weekly videos yeah. um but i was doing everything myself i would do all-nighters all the time a little bit because i'm a procrastinator but also like i was just trying to hustle because i knew that i didn't want to work at my consulting firm and I just had to make enough money. What was your main motivation? Was it money? Was it success? A combination of everything? I would say a combination of okay. everything. I mean, I feel like it's probably the same for you, right? Like what is your motivation? Is it the money or is it the respect? Is it the success? Is it the creativity of it? Like, <laughs> I think like as a creator, it like truly is such a blend of everything. Obviously you need to have enough money to survive. So I think like yeah. that's a first hump, but then once you get over that, then it really is like creative freedom and freedom to like to take care of your schedule and like take charge of your life. Right. Like, cause when you're stuck nine to five in a cubicle, you don't have any control over your own decisions or what you get to do. That's true. Mm-hmm. I will say for you, do you feel like you work as hard as you used to when you were first starting out being an influencer? Because now you make enough money where you don't have to work as hard. So it's kind of almost hard to upkeep that level of like hustle that you used to have. Right. Or is that just me? I would say when you first start making content, you are so excited that it doesn't feel like work. So you don't feel the work or the workload that you're experiencing, even though you're not making any money from it. It's just so exciting. I wouldn't say that I work less hard now, but I will say that I have more people helping me to work now. But I think I've over-signed myself up for too many things. Like initially when I started, it was just Instagram. And then I added YouTube. And then I added TikTok. And then I added like a podcast. So I would say that even though there are people who are, I'm delegating tasks to, I am still working as much as I was back then. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. I feel like I'm in a place where... Maybe it's because I have different interests outside of just YouTube because I am mm. doing the real estate stuff Yeah, that it's been really hard for me to stay focused because for me, when I first started out, I only had to worry about YouTube and maybe a little bit of Instagram, but mainly YouTube. Right. And now because I feel like there's so much, there's so many different social media sites that I have to pay attention to. I don't even have enough attention span to give them to give even one platform. Oh, sometimes I get overwhelmed and then I do nothing. Exactly. That's how I feel. And it's bad. And when you have so much control over your schedule, like as a creator in general, there are no deadlines. Like nobody's expecting you to have to do something except when it comes to brand deals. Those are the only like strict deadlines we have. Then I'm like, yeah, I I can just take a random (laughs) Tuesday off and do whatever. Whatever. You know, I just want to organize my house today. I'm not going (laughs) to film or do anything. And then I think once you get stuck in that cycle, it's hard to get out of it. Yeah. But also you can organize your house and make it content. I feel like people would love that. That's true. I forgot who I was talking to, but they were like, I find comfort knowing that no matter what good or bad happens in my life, I can monetize it because I'm a creator. (laughs) Wait, that's actually so smart. Which is true. Like even when the worst things happen to us, at least you get a good story time out of it. I've seen lots of people monetize like their divorces, their breakups, their cheating scandals, like anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if a bad thing is going to happen to you, why not at least make money from it? Which I... 
I stand by that. I'm like, get your bag. So you obviously did not ever go back to that 60K job offer. No. Did you ever email them and say like, oh, I'm not coming back? Okay, I feel really bad because they emailed me (gasps) a month before I was supposed to start and asked me because I had, I just been putting, I hate having uncomfortable conversations and I'd been putting it off, which is really bad. And it's something I learned in UCLA. Don't do that. Like don't put things off, but I definitely put it off. But we should talk about, you know, like things that I feel like influencers can learn from if they actually went to college as well, yeah. because there is a level of professionalism I see amongst, I would say, other like YouTubers or like social media influencers that don't have somewhat of a professional background or totally. an educational background. Yeah. So I think it's harder to say now. I would say initially, definitely most creators did not have college degrees. Mm-hmm. And then now, because it's more like anyone can be a creator, especially with the rise of short form content, we are seeing a lot more creators who do have educational backgrounds or specific expertise in whatever thing that they are teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel like not that education is everything, but education definitely teaches you some lessons and it teaches you, it's almost like the discipline of it is the most important part. Yeah. I would say one thing like feedback that I constantly get from brands is that content creators do not submit their stuff on time. So when a brand says something is due Monday, Uh do you send it in like before Monday or do you send it? End of day Monday. Okay. Yeah. See, like, are there times where sometimes I'm like super like late on Monday? <laughs> Mine's 8 p.m. Monday. Okay, yeah. That, that happens to me too, <laughs> but I will get it on the Monday. Yeah. Like if it's due on Monday in the like, well, I don't know, four years that I've taken brand deals, I think there's only been two instances that I've pushed back a deadline. One for an extenuating circumstance okay. and two was because the draft date was like three weeks ahead of the live date. So I was like, sorry, I'm like busy this week. Can yeah. we just push that back? Yeah. But those are the only two times and I told them in advance. It was never like, I forgot. Mm-hmm. You will often hear from brands saying that a lot of creators are unprofessional. They say they're going to get something in, but then they don't, which on the brand side is really tough, right? Because they have to meet like KPIs. They have specific metrics that they have to hit. And if you don't post on their campaign Mm -hmm. timeline, they might not be able to meet their goals, especially for a lot of the kind of younger creators, right? And especially for like, if you ever work with a brand, sometimes you're not working directly with L'Oreal. You're working with a third market agency. right? And so the agency has these deadlines because L'Oreal is asking them for the content. Right. So they are put in like a pickle where totally. they don't have the content they need. But I always feel like they have a little bit of buffer because they understand working with content creators is a little tough. Yeah, they don't do well. Like they, I can't control the creativity no. is what a lot of people would say. I right? will say that I've been really good friends with a couple content creators that mm-hmm. send things in like two weeks late, three <gasps> weeks late. They'll send things in late where it's like, oh, like this promo code works until September 1st, 2023. And they'll send it after September 1st, 2023. Yeah. I would feel so ashamed. Yeah. I will say that was one thing my manager used to tell me was I was really good about deadlines. Deadlines. I I will say I faltered a little bit where it's like six hours late now, like past end of day. That's fine. (laughs) I think that's fine. As long as you're still on the same calendar day, I think it's okay. I think the other thing is being professional in your emails and in your communications. I think that's like basic etiquette that you learn. Of course, you learn it in high school and stuff, but especially in college, I feel like you really hone that professional voice and Mm -hmm. a little bit of like negotiation skills, how to talk to people. 
This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. See, the thing is, I did study business, but I don't think that I've applied a lot of the things that I learned yeah. in my business. <laughs> One of them being, I am professional in a way in my emails, okay. but I, for the life of me, cannot not have an exclamation mark in an email. Oh, that's just a girl thing. It's because okay, we do feel you do inferior. that as well. Yeah, I always put okay, an exclamation okay. mark. Because you're talking about how to be like professional in your emails. I was like, I don't know if exclamation marks are very professional. And if there's no <laughs> exclamation mark, then it's a colon and a, a parenthesis, a smiley <laughs> face. Because I feel bad, especially if I'm saying something that's like not mean, but like yeah. if it's negative feedback or if it's like, like I'm asking for more okay. then I feel bad and then I, I have a question when a brand reaches out to you to work with you how do you respond well I don't handle any of that anymore oh. because my manager does everything yeah but I used to back in the day when I was initially starting out but I was very horrible at negotiating for myself okay. I just didn't have any friends that were influencers because I for those who don't know, I initially started out purely with nursing content. So all of the content mm. was super educational. Like I was teaching people how to like, you know, administer a blood transfusion. It was very technical. And hence, all of the friends that I made from that space were also medical influencers. And it was so new at the time that none of us knew how much to charge. Yeah. And if anything is a medical influencer, like I have a degree. If I am promoting something that has some sort of like medical backing, I should be charging more than the average influencer who, oh, yeah. right. It maybe is just in the lifestyle category, but I didn't understand that. And to me, I was like, okay, I make $8 at the bakery. I make, you know, $17 as a caregiver, whatever amounts I was making, the, amount of money was so not <laughs> comprehensible for me that for my first ever sponsorship, I charged $400 for one Instagram video and one Instagram post. I think I also threw in a couple stories yeah. and I signed away my like life usage rights <gasps> yeah, to this company. I mean, we didn't know better because I'm pretty sure I negotiated a few deals myself yeah. for like $100 and they have my likeness for perpetuity. Thank God yeah. they haven't utilized it, but I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> so for those who don't know, you are never, ever supposed to give away your like usage yeah, usage in perpetuity. Um, it's always like for a finite amount of time, usually, usually a couple year. months up oh, to really? a year. Yeah. Right. And so when you give it to them in perpetuity, like let's say you promoted a skincare product and you gave them usage for perpetuity, like that could prevent you from working with any skincare product ever in the future. Because if they have exclusivity. Yeah. No, like if your face is just plastered everywhere, like why would anybody want to work with you if yeah. you're already <laughs> the face of something else? So that was a really big mistake that I made back then. Thankfully, they have not used it since. Um, so I had to get smart because the last negotiation I made as myself, I negotiated a worldwide campaign for Origins, which is a skincare brand. Wow. Have you heard of Origins? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was great. I had no idea going into it uh -huh. that it was a worldwide campaign. I literally thought they were just sending me to New York just to take some like photos to okay. post on my own Instagram. Okay. No, my face was all over subways in Japan. 
inside Macy's, they have the billboards up. And First of all, I that's kid so you cool. not, I only asked for $6,000. <gasps> Girl! $6,000 for a worldwide campaign, which... 6,000 is a lot. Let me be honest. It is a lot for maybe three days worth of work, but they owned my likeness for a year. Did you have exclusivity too? I don't believe so. No, because I'm pretty sure I worked with other brands after that. That was the last time I was like, I need a real manager. Yeah. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I know people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, $6,000 is a lot. Why are you saying that that's not a lot? But if you think about how much money the brand is spending on the marketing campaign, like these are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's no reason that you can't compensate the person fairly Mm -hmm. when they are the face of the campaign. Like the reason the product is selling is because of you. Yeah. Right. And even a model on set, like that's a couple grand a day. Mm -hmm. So if they are not only using you as a model, but also using your image and your likeness to sell the product, it's only, it only makes sense. It makes sense. Pay. And I know a lot of people have like issues with the fact that influencers make so much, but if you think about it, like you had said, We are not only not like I'm talking outside of this campaign. We are the editors, the director, the actor, the script writer. We're all of that. And for a a brand to pay for a commercial, for a script writer, a director, makeup artist, everything involved, it's Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they're saving so much money just having us just giving us like 10 to 15 and 20, whatever it is, thousand dollars. A hundred percent versus a hundred in not even like I'm probably a million dollars to make a commercial. Yeah. And, and we're the, hitting the same. Yeah. The return is yeah. much higher because mm-hmm. the, the influencer or the creator has a much more intimate relationship than let's say we're watching like a TV ad. You just mute it and you don't yeah. watch it. But <laughs> if it's my favorite creator and they're recommending me a product, I'm much more likely to go click on that link. Like that's how I find the yeah. things that I want to use too. I go oh watch creators that I love and then I add to cart. Honestly, TikTok is dangerous because of that. I do be buying a lot of stuff. I know. It's bad. Yeah. The amount of stuff I buy from Amazon because of TikTok is bad. Same. The struggle is real trying to meet somebody IRL in 2023. When I asked Kevin what his favorite dating app from the past was, he immediately said coffee meets bagel. Y'all always ask, where can I find a man like Kevin? He cooks, he cleans, he's a doctor, an NCAA athlete, and he has the best personality. Well, the answer is coffee meets bagel. That was his dating app of choice. If you're tired of casual dating and looking for a serious relationship, coffee meets bagel was made for you. In fact, coffee meets bagel is so serious about dating that if you sign up for the app and say you're looking for a casual relationship, the app recommends you check out a different app because this one is for the real ones. Over 91% of daters on Coffee Meets Bagel are looking for a serious relationship, especially for people like us working long 12-hour shifts with no time to sit down or take a lunch break. Our schedules are super demanding and we don't want to be wasting precious time if the other person isn't looking for something real. I also love the filters that they have, including age, height, distance, allowing you to pre-screen through candidates that you already know won't be a good fit. We personally know two friends who met on Coffee Meets Bagel. One couple is engaged and the other is happily married. I still remember my friend telling me about going on her first date with her now fiance while they were in college and now they've moved in together got a dog and got on family vacations it's all very magical to watch unfold the best part is that these two probably would have never met in real life if it weren't for a little push from online dating and getting the chance to interact with more people modern times call for modern techniques to find love we've teamed up with coffee meets bagel to bring you one month free of coffee meets bagel premium to make it even easier for you to find a serious relationship to redeem the offer on android use mickey and 
and Kev in the Coffee Meets Bagel app. On iOS, use Mickey and Kev via the link provided in the video slash podcast description. So you said you got a manager. At what point in your career did you know you were ready for that? And if you feel comfortable, like how does it how does it work like having a manager? For my case, I have had the same manager since like 2016, I would say. I started using her a year after I had graduated, kind of got myself situated and then realized I was screwing myself over by only taking brand deals for like four to five thousand dollars, maybe six thousand, which was the most I've ever charged a brand right. for Origins. Um, but I've been super loyal to her. I've been working with her for seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but our structure is definitely different. I would say um, a lot of people, they will email the manager directly. But I actually have my own personal emails okay. in my inboxes. Oh. And I just forward them to her or CC them with her. And I only do this because I also get a lot of like PR companies reaching out to me being like, hey, like here's this event, here's this event. And I know a lot of managers handle that for people. But I, I will say that sometimes I've heard of managers just having that fall through the cracks and they won't even invite their influencers or tell them that these things are happening. So I feel like I have a lot more control that way and I'm definitely a control addict. I like to have control of things. Yeah. So I like having it this way and I always have the same email when, I don't even want to say it because what if a brand's watching this? But I always have the same email response when a brand reaches out to me. It's always like, Thank you. Looping uh, in my manager. Yeah. It's always, um, <laughs> thanks, Mickey, for reaching out. I'd love to work with you guys. It sounds like such an interesting campaign or something very personal about the campaign. Either right. I have a personal history with them or whatever. So I yeah. add that. And then I'll be like, I'm just CCing my teams that they're in the loop as well. And then I CC my agent and then I CC my manager. And then Got they it. handle all the negotiations. And one time they forgot to take me off the negotiations and I saw how they negotiated. I was like, damn, this is why they're on my team. Like, this is why. Because... I would have never been able to negotiate this way. Wait, I want to see. My, oh my team God. also takes me off so I can't see. Yeah, no, and- my my agent at WME when I was with them, yeah. she was incredible. Her name is Samantha Levy. Um, and now she only works with musicians. So unfortunately, I'm not a musician. Right. Very tone deaf. <laughs> but she was incredible. The way she negotiates, she does not give them my rates. She asks them for their budget. And it's always... Let's hop on a phone call. She never emails. She goes, let's hop on a phone call. Let's see what your budget is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that's really smart. My, um, I don't know what my agents do now. For anybody who maybe you have to negotiate your own campaigns or you're yeah. dealing with negotiations, not even in a brand deal perspective, the best thing you can do is ask somebody, what is your budget? Mm-hmm. Because if they come and they tell you like, okay, my budget is $1,000, then you come and you figure out what you can do for $1,000, mm-hmm. right? Instead of them being like okay how much do you charge for xyz if maybe you only charge 200 for that but instead you could be pitching that for a grand grand. how much they have or that's how much they think you're worth yeah right figuring out that sweet spot i feel like is really important i will say do you feel like the rates overall have lowered as you become a content creator like as you've grown yeah well i think your perspective is probably more interesting because you've been in this industry like longer than i have i didn't really blow up until roughly like 2020 or so and i started creating back in like i don't know 2016 2017 but basically the rates were insanely inflated during 
not COVID, but right after COVID because all of the brands had stopped all the marketing campaigns. Mm -hmm. No money was getting spent. And so they had this big pocket of money that was left over. And the way that marketing budgets work, you have to use them in a fiscal year or a calendar year, whatever year is allocated for your budget. And so at the end of 2020, we saw like a huge surge of everybody needing to use their budget that they Mm -hmm. didn't use for that year. So I feel like there were, you were getting essentially like more money for campaigns than you normally would really and that kind of continued on into 2022 was really busy as well that was the busiest q1 i had ever seen in my life so there's q1 two three four q4 is almost always the busiest for creators because that's when the holiday campaigns come Mm -hmm. out you have thanksgiving you have christmas like gift giving that is the best time to entice someone to buy something and then q1 it usually slows down a bit because Beginning of the year, people are like, okay, I'm going to be better. I'm going to not spend this much money. But Q1 was still so busy. The whole year was pretty, pretty busy. And I had my best year yet. And this year, things have been slow for me. Really? Slower. No, you say that. and (laughs) It has been slower relative. I know your campaigns. Yeah, no. No, but relative to the last two years, though, it felt much, much slower. And then because the economy has calmed down, I wouldn't say that we're in a recession necessarily, but because it has definitely slowed down, marketing is always the first thing to get cut. Which I don't think it should be because that's kind of the way you, you know, expand, expand and get new, um, audiences and get new customers. I would say that my theory of why things have changed drastically in the budgets that we now partake in Mm -hmm. is not just because of the recession we're in, but because of the level of quality of influencers we have nowadays because it's so easy to become an influencer. Well, everybody is a creator Exactly. So you have so much competition for the same job. Exactly. And if you, let's say like I have to pay you $10,000, but that person can do the same for only 3,000. So then the job will then go to the 3,000 because it's not that it's diluting the market, but because there's so much more competition, like how are you going to make yourself stand out? Like, are you going to make better videos? Are you going to charge less? What is the thing? What is yeah. the it factor? And not right? only that, there's a lot of situations where because influencers are so new to the game, they don't have their managers. They don't have their agents yet. They don't understand what a proper usage totally. or rates should look like. So they are willing to take those th- like smaller deals, pennies on the dollar deals. Yeah. And I've, I've had a friend who was much, much younger. She's in her tw- like early, early twenties, like I, maybe 19 or 20 still. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had almost a million TikTok followers and was taking brand deals for $50 a TikTok. I did a TikTok for $75 once. <gasps> How big were you? Over a million. <gasps> yeah. Mickey. You are one of the girls I'm talking about. I am one of the girls. And see, yeah. and because, and, and you know what? I, when I was at 400,000 subscribers and getting 200,000 views on my videos, that's when I was charging Origins literally $6,000 yeah. for a campaign in a video. Yep. Like, I totally get it. But yeah, no, I'm, that's what I'm saying is that there's so many influencers like popping up and becoming new and becoming the it girls that they're yeah. not charging the right rates. So it's totally. kind of like flattening the rates for everyone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree with it. And it's tough because like, it, I think it takes people a long time to like build that team and find the right people that you can trust. And it's not like we have 
a union where mm-hmm. we can all be like, okay, we're all charging this right when we're at this engagement or this following. And also it's so taboo to talk about money in general, especially as a creator, because most people feel that creators are way overpaid. Yeah. So in general, I feel like those conversations just don't happen unless you have like an intimate and close relationship with somebody like I love how in the tech world it's so transparent like they all talk about it they yeah. openly say how much they make like on the internet you know what maybe we should start this a glass door for influencers someone created something like that what? actually <laughs> yeah I've had no original thoughts in my entire life no original thoughts <laughs> someone made one um but I think it's still pretty like it's newer and it's okay. up and coming what's it called i don't remember Hmm. but i think it's it's tough because then sometimes you want to gatekeep like let's say a brand has a really nice budget and you want to keep working with them why would you then entice other people to also work with that brand right there's a lot of competition and actually i was going to ask you since you live in la and you are in the la influencer scene is there like do you participate in events? Do you feel like it helps you get more jobs? Is oh, a hundred percent. Really? I actually just went to Ren Skincare. Have you heard of them? Yes, I have. Yeah, so they're like a London based company. They were coming to LA to visit. Okay. And I wasn't expecting to get a brand deal. I just showed up because they were giving out facials. I was like, free facial from a brand I absolutely love. Yeah. Let's do it. Heck yeah. And when I was there, she offered me a brand deal. She was like, You have eczema? I was like, Yeah. And she was like, do you talk about it? I was like, I actually never talk about it. She's like, why don't you talk about it? I was like, I don't know. I feel like it's it's like something kind of embarrassing to talk about. She's like, you should talk about it. Would you ever feel comfortable talking about it? I was like, yeah, you're making me feel comfortable talking yeah. about it. And she's like, okay, let's make a brand deal happen. I'll email you on Monday. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Amazing. And it happens. And then I, I love, I love the, like the uh, product. It's the run overnight recovery bomb. Not to like <laughs> talk about it. Love. But if you have eczema, I promise you it is like the best thing on earth. Like literally every time I have a breakout, that's what I use. Is LA, is that scene everything that people make it out to be? Do you think like, is it really that fun going to events? No, and- because a lot of the times you'll go to an event and I've actually been to an event. Okay. So fashion events are different than beauty events okay beauty events people are genuinely nice like um i would say like some people are fake but they're like nice every time i've ever 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 attended a fashion event i feel like i'm this ugly duckling that is so uncool yeah like i've been to multiple fashion events where i leave within 30 minutes because i just feel so uncomfortable really yeah and i really don't but the thing is i love fashion personally and i want that yeah. more to be my brand so i'm like okay no i have to stick around and I'm it's a different type of i feel like in the beauty community there's an actual community within like the beauty yeah, gurus totally um but with the fashion girlies maybe i'm just not a part of the community but i don't see the community aspect of it as mm. much as i see it in the beauty community interesting yeah I always think about it this way because when I first started getting invited to events, I was so excited to attend. Yeah. Especially the ones in LA because I, again, like I blew up mostly during the pandemic. And so for a long time, I didn't get to experience it. And when you go to the events, don't get me wrong, like a lot of them are super fun and super exciting, but they're not all that people make them out to be. And I, I thought about it this way because what you're seeing is like the the media version, right? So like as a creator, it is my job to make things look good. So when I post it on the internet, it'll be even better than what the actual yeah. thing was. Going to the actual thing is like, it's great, but it's certainly not what people make it out yeah. to be. I feel like they like- Even brand trips, up, yeah. Like exaggerate the experience. Has there been like an actual influencer event that you've been like, wow, damn, I wish I was there? 
I'm trying I think to think. there's a lot of things that are very well put together. I feel like in general, I don't really get invited to things because I'm in Seattle. Wait, next time you're in LA, well, I'll make sure I'm getting invited to an event. And I'll take you. Okay, 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 let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Well, I, okay, that's the other thing. I feel like when you go with other people that you like, it's, it's so much better. It's yeah. way more fun. It's so much better when you are stuck like with people that you don't know, and then you have to try to mingle. Sometimes it's tough, especially if let's say the creators are not in the same niche as you. You don't have like as much in common, or if you don't know who they are either. Yeah. I feel like a lot of influencers, if they don't know who you are, they think you're nothing. It's so funny because people from the East Coast will always say, like, we on the West Coast are so much more fake. Yeah. But we are fake and we are always nice to the person's face. And then obviously there are people who backstab. But I feel like the East Coast is flipped. Like, they are just straight straight and very direct to your face. Yeah. Like, L.A., like, we always put on a facade. We always act nice. Mm-hmm. Whether or not the person is actually nice is, like, a whole different story. Yeah. But I'm so used to that because that's that's just what I grew up around. Yeah. So it doesn't seem abnormal to me. But when other people pointed it out to me, I was like, oh, that's actually really interesting. Like, I've never thought about it that way. That it was, like, we play this, like, fake game where we're but all, like, nice But the thing is, I feel other. like you should be nice to people. I know. Like, what do you mean? Thing? You're going to be mean to, like, yeah. a stranger you don't know just because no, you don't know them? No, we're just not that straightforward, right? Yeah. Like, we, like, sugarcoat almost everything. We're, like, very nice. Yeah. And I think that can be taken the wrong way yeah. sometimes. Do you feel like your closest friends are influencers or creators? Or would you say they're... I would say maybe like two years ago I would say most of my closest friends were influencers but I've gotten to a place where I just turned 30 and I really wanted to reevaluate like my friendships and my life Mm -hmm. over the last eight months and a lot has changed in my life like I started flipping homes I started having different interests outside of just like my influencers stuff that I was doing right I would say my I have a good mix of both but I would say a lot of it is non-influencer friends. I think it's healthy to have a good mix of people in the space and also not in the space, in the space because they can relate to what you're going through. And a lot of the things we go through are very unrelatable unless yeah. you actually are a creator. <laughs> like some of the editing things, the little nuances. But the then drama. Also just, yeah, but also just like having normal people. I feel like I, like I love nursing because... I love going and working like an hourly job where I am reminded the value of money because mm-hmm. sometimes as a creator, I feel like it's very easy to let things get to your head. You get jaded. You forget to appreciate yeah. the things and the opportunities that you have because it, it, it is really unreal. Like nobody should receive the amount of positive or negative feedback that an we influencer do. Yeah. does. Money is pretty crazy. Like the numbers just like all analytics numbers brand deal numbers all the numbers start to get like very it's super unhealthy to have your life revolve around analytics yeah not just you know monetarily but you know seeing you get a hundred thousand views one day and then the next it's ten thousand you're like wait do people stop have people stop liking me am I not cool enough am I becoming unpopular like what's going on like and also just like chasing the algorithm is so unhealthy and especially, I don't know if you were around for like the 2016 chasing the algorithm, the fake videos people used to the pop clickbait. out. The clickbait saying I'm pregnant, saying we're breaking up and it's just like right. you're leaving for vacation for three days right, or something. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> or even like the the um, making your life look perfect. That's like super unhealthy as well. Because yeah. I remember the 
morning routines where my face was full glam That's and I'm crazy. pretending I'm drinking cucumber water in the mornings and eating like avocado toast every single day like that's not what my life looks like but can you give us like the tea give us one thing that you not like lied about but like you filmed differently than actually happens oh my, in every real life? And I, it's not the even whole thing whole morning routines girl I get up at 11 a.m I roll out of bed and I do absolutely nothing I'm on Did my phone for three hours morning routine I did, but I did say that like that wasn't actually you know, that. I, I did honestly say like no, I don't normally do this. I love that, especially knowing you because I know that you stay up late and you also oh, wake yeah. up late. You'd be so proud of me. I woke up at seven a.m. yesterday because of jet lag, and then nine a.m. today. Tomorrow's gonna you. be eleven. <laughs> oh, when you responded to my text at like eleven this morning, I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm awake. Do you feel like as a creator writing the different waves because every creator goes through waves of relevancy and irrelevancy or what I don't even know what to call it not irrelevancy but like less relevancy yeah um and even like I experience that all the time like you will have months even in a year where you're just so you're doing amazing the views are good everybody loves you and then the next month nobody watches your video Mm -hmm. nobody cares how do you deal with that as a creator I will say that I went through a phase where I was getting hundreds of thousands of views on every single video if not almost a million view on every single video and now I get maybe a tenth of that but I think for me was learning that as long as I'm putting out content that I'm proud of Mm -hmm. and that I'm not cringing at it was okay because if I was putting a video that I found very cringy but it was also on top of that only getting 5,000 views yes it's really embarrassing and it would actually genuinely hurt my soul right so nowadays I make videos that I would genuinely want to watch and I'm okay with other people that know me watching yeah where you're like I'm okay with feeling that irrelevancy but it is really hard on your mental health when you feel like people love you one week and then the next they don't and so as long as I can have people in my life that are outside of the influencer game that can just like ground me and humble me Mm -hmm. it feels really nice and I would say like Matt is like a really good example of someone that really makes me feel grounded and makes me feel like worthy outside of like my numbers so I love that I think it's it's really hard because no other job do you like see your performance to a T like YouTube has the ranking right every video you post they give you a ranking from one to ten and they tell you like feels bad when when you see 10 out of 10 multiple weeks in a row and it's like it it has that little text that says like people aren't choosing to watch this video as often it's so degrading especially when it's something that you work so hard for and I feel like I learned a lot of lessons from you because I'm obviously a newer creator and so when I consult you and I'm like hey I'm not feeling good about this like you always just give me the best advice and like what you said when you are proud of a video, I found that even even like two views, like even if <laughs> I'm the one who watches that video, I'm like, I feel so proud. I feel good that I put it out. I don't regret putting it yeah. out. It's when you cringe for your own content. Yeah. And it does poorly. Yeah. That, that's when it like really burns. I I posted a video from when I turned 30 saying 30 things I learned before I turned 30 or uh-huh. something like that. It was like 10 out of 10 rank. But all the comments were like, this video was so helpful that it oh. made me feel really good because I was actually really proud of that video. That was like the maybe the only time where it's okay to feel irrelevant if you're like proud of your work because... In five years, I feel like five years ago when I was making those like morning routines that were so unrealistic and Mm -hmm. making like 10 lies every girl tells that was I only did it to like shop the algorithm and to like 
because I understood the algorithm so well at the time that I look back on those videos and I've privated all of them. I've unprivated them recently, actually, because someone was saying- get that AdSense, girl. (laughs) Do you feel like for you, how do you see kind of like your future as an influencer becoming? I don't know. I think the past me, especially when I graduated initially, I wanted to, I had a five-year plan, I had a 10-year plan, I had a 30-year plan. Like, What I was knew, your 30-year plan? I knew exactly what I wanted and where I wanted it. You okay. know, like in the, in the end, I wanted to be on a beach in Hawaii. Like that was the <laughs> ultimate goal. But as I've gotten older, the more I realize that life is really volatile and you will never be done with your to-do list in life. It will just continue to continue. And if you can't learn to deal with uncertainty and the discomfort of it, you'll be very miserable. And so, yeah, I have like rough ideas for where I would like life to be, but I try to just live in the moment in the present as cliche as that sounds. And when I'm ready for something different, my body and my mind will tell me that it's time for something new. Do I want to be doing like, bedside nursing when I'm if I'm like nine months pregnant probably not like I will probably be doing something different like maybe more educational things advocacy um so I think you know life will shift as I get older and then like let's say my kids grow up and I have nothing to do like would I have more time to do something else probably right yeah so I think I am just passionate about growing as a human being and the thing is that like every our our lives are our content and our content are our, our lives. lives. Do you so, think you'll be a family vlogger? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I would show my kids on the internet, mm-hmm. maybe when they're like really young, like, yeah. like a baby, because I mean the baby is fine. But as soon as they have independent thoughts and things that they want to do, I would never want to force my child to do something that they don't want to do. Yeah. Um and I also genuinely like am concerned for their safety and their well-being because I cannot shelter them or protect them from everything so I don't know what would you do would you share kids that is a great question because I don't want to show my kids face but I do want to show motherhood show mother yeah exactly that's a good way to say it um but I don't want people to feel comfortable to shout out my kid's name in public and that person like and my kid thinking Mm. it's safe to say hi to them I see. Like if my kid is named Chris and they're like, Chris, hi. And Chris thinks that, oh, like I must know this person. I've never even thought about that. That's true. Yeah. Because, you know. That could be dangerous. That could be super dangerous. And there are times when like a fan will come up to me and be like, hi, Tiffany, how are you? And they, they seem almost like. I could be friends with this person. Like, have I met them at an event? Have I met them in college? Like, yeah, do it's I a know pure this social person? relationship? Yeah, I'm like, wait, wait. Like, I then I talk to them as if I know them because I'm like, oh, like I must know you somehow. I don't want my kids experiencing that, so I don't think That's I'd true. show their face. Maybe when they're babies, and you can't really tell a baby's face. Exactly. But once yeah. they become toddlers and they're walking around by themselves, I don't think I will either. Yeah, I think it's tough, and I'm thankful that I grew up without the internet. Like, I did not grow up on the internet. I'm not one of the creators who like blew up while I was still growing up. I did all of my maturing emotionally, physically, mentally. <laughs> off the internet and like I know my own self-worth like when I get hate comments on the internet it doesn't hurt me the way that it would if I was still developing my own self-esteem and I don't want my kids to go through that if they are not ready to handle something because the internet is a cruel place I feel like this is something I love to tell my friends and my friends all agree on is that your level maturity happens the year you got famous for influencers so if like an influencer got famous at 16 and they're like 28 now they kind of still act like they're in their late teens I got lucky that I was able to kind of mature like I don't think I'm that mature at 23 but that's kind (laughs) of when I got famous or more like 
bigger. That's when I hit a million. But yeah, that's kind of where my emotional maturity stunted until I was maybe 28 and I started going to therapy regularly. I realized that when I was 23 to 28, I was kind of still stuck in my very immature ways. And it kind of made um, like dating Matthew and he had gone to therapy before making me realize that like I am stunted in some ways Mm. and I felt locked in in some ways. So I think that's why like I've gone through like a huge change for myself even in the last year because I'm finally growing out of my 23 year old ways. That's such an interesting take. Yeah, Yeah. I think again, because the world is so different, it's not exactly the entertainment industry, but I think it has some similarities and parallels to it Mm -hmm. where it kind of, it takes you away from the real world and the real experiences that somebody would would experience like again it's not normal to receive the amount of attention positive or negative that Mm -hmm. we receive it's not normal to receive free things in the mail yeah right like our lives are very unreal it's Mm -hmm. unrealistic for somebody normally like living a normal life to experience those things and it definitely takes a negative toll if you do not properly take care of yourself and you don't express gratitude and you do not give back to the people who got you to the place where you're at like it will it will confuse you. I don't know what the 23 year old is supposed to act like, but I feel like you're very <laughs> mature. I feel like I like I try to put myself in uncomfortable situations yeah. so that I can learn because I know they're good for me. But part of knowing it's good for me is because I received all the education that I did growing up and my parents invested so much in me and my learning yeah. that I knew that that was a step that I needed to take. Like, for example, I will take things that are slightly out of my comfort zone, right? Like, for example, sometimes a brand will ask me to speak internally and give a presentation about, like, the creator economy, whatever it is. Like, am I comfortable doing that? No, but is it something that's good for me? Yes. So I will say yes to those opportunities because you have to live, like, a little bit outside of your comfort zone. I think it also humbles you because it's, like, so... You realize you're not as cool or good as you think you are. it's so uncomfortable that it it helps you grow as a human being because... We are all just like, we're literally all the same. We're all just humans like on this earth. That's right? true. I love that. No, I love that. I love that you actually put yourself in uncomfortable situations. I think I definitely need to put myself in more uncomfortable positions as well. I think it depends on your phase of life. Yeah. Like I was in a phase where I wanted to do a lot of uncomfortable things. And now I'm kind of in a phase where I'm like, I'm okay just being comfortable for a bit. I'm in my phase where I just want to take up all the hobbies that I used to want to do. I love yeah. That. I'm in my like horseback riding era. <laughs> Yes, uh, you and Oreo. Oh my god, she's riding this very cute horse. Well, anyways, thank you so much for Are you kidding? This was so fun. coming on the pod. I had so much genuinely like I love the podcast where we just like have like a fun conversation yeah. and then like somebody else gets to listen in on our combo. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it for this week. We will see you guys next week. Yes, bye, bye guys. <laughs>